0: Thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, on Instagram at Band Biographies, search on Facebook for Band Biographies, or by emailing BandBiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Band Biographies with me, your host, Tom Austin Morgan. Band Biographies is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Music-Based Podcasts. Be sure to visit Pantheon.com to find a whole host of different types of show on all sorts of music. It's an honour to be placed amongst such brilliant shows. Today I present an interview with Jason Potbelly, the co-lead vocalist, guitarist and driving force behind Washington-based punk band Potbelly. The band has been around and touring since 1995. And has built up quite the community by producing split EPs and compilation albums with a plethora of well-known and unsigned bands over the years as well as relentlessly touring around north america in fact they've released over 100 recordings over the years so much so that as you'll hear even jason can't remember the names of them all They're finally coming over to the UK this summer and I'll be playing with them at their first show in London in July with my band Swamp Stomper. More details on that when it's confirmed for sure. Jason has so many stories, from seeing the cream of the Seattle grunge scene play tiny venues and house parties in the 80s and 90s through to insights about the political environment of the US and the crazy goings on in his area during Covid. I'm really excited for you to hear it. You can find Potbelly by visiting pig-record.rocks slash potbelly and on Facebook as well as on Bandcamp and other streaming sites. If you search for them, look for the logo with the scary-looking cartoon pig. But without further ado, here's my interview with Jason Potbelly of the band Potbelly. Jason Potbelly from the band Potbelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, glad to be here. And, Thanks um, for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem at all. Um, just a, just a quick kind of uh, catch up thing. You were you were on tour recently in Costa Rica, so let's let's talk about that first. How was Costa Rica at this time of the year?
1: I love Costa Rica. Uh, it's their dry season right now, so it's really nice. There's uh, we got very little rain. It was just like little drizzles. Mm. Uh, the west side of everything, the Pacific side is absolutely amazing. The uh, east side's a lot more humid, so it's a little harder to deal with. But mm. uh, overall, I mean, the shows were great. The people were really cool. And the second show we played was at this mountain pass and uh, on a property and uh, a clubhouse. So they can't, uh, you know, so they can do what they do there without uh, charging admission and getting away with throwing shows. It's very, uh, you know old school squatty kind of thing but um uh the highway had literally broken away from the rains so i didn't think anyone was gonna go we got got there but it was like there was one lane in this huge section and massive traffic and i didn't think there there was gonna be anybody there i was like "Ah, fuck well all right well (laughs) and it turned it turned out to be a really good show people were like literally parked at the bottom of the hill walking up this mountainside to get to this fucking show i mean that's sheer dedication uh, in washington I'd be like, yeah, i'll see him next time
0: <laughs> Yeah, you know? that tends to be you the know, way though uh, doesn't it i mean um right. I, w- I was on tour last year um over in europe and we were driving to this place in czechia and it, we were driving for hours off the highway like we were hours and hours into the country like out into the fog down these country roads just fields on either side and we turned up to this village and there was just a hall there. And um, we were like, where the fuck are we? Like, wh- who is coming to this gig? And it was one of the most packed gigs of the tour. It was nuts. People came from like Prague and um, and all over, all over the place to come down. They'd come like 100 miles to come to the gig. It was it's incredible. Sometimes those ones where you turn up and you look at the venue and you're like, nah, nothing's happening here. They can be the best ones.
1: Oh, absolutely. Overall, for years, uh, you never know what the best show on your tour is going to be, but we played many, many shows in the middle of fucking nowhere that turned out to be just great. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, people are fucking bored there, you know, like where we're from, we live in a pretty small place, so mm-hmm. the shows, they're not, they're not like the city. Like, you go to Seattle, there's a show every night. Mm-hmm. Where we live, if there was a show every night. No one would show up because they'd be over exaggerated with how small the pe- amount of people that are there. Sure. So, uh they're few and far between they're like once every six weeks is a show you know mm. and because of that they're pretty packed all the time we're a band from like out of town or out of the country like we had raw power out from italy right they right. show up and like what the fuck is this little town you know what i mean and you know there's a little bar totally packed great show you know but uh so it's like you just never know where you're where you're going to end up being yeah. the like you Los Angeles, that's gonna be great. Yeah, it's actually if you got a Panoma, <laughs> you know, the things like that, like that uh that really trip my brain out as far as uh populous versus uh crowd uh, anticipation.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can never predict it. Um and so yeah. so how was the Costa Rica tour anyway? How how long were you out there? How many gigs did you do?
1: Well, the the I can't even call it a tour. I uh mm. I went out there a couple of years ago with my wife and loved the country. Like mm-hmm. I'm a big nature fan, seeing the the crazy amount of wildlife that's there. Uh, 3.5 percent of all living things on the planet live there. It's got 1370 ecosystems in a place that's half the size of the state I live in, and uh, so it's just incredible. You see stuff all fucking day long, uh, and I kept uh, telling my band that I want to go do it but I didn't know any bands there. Like when I was there, I was, I was in the, like the villages and the mm-hmm. jungle and I didn't see any signs of fucking spiky haired kids, you know, that's, <laughs> I didn't think that it really existed. But I, forget. I look into it anyway. So I started, uh, you know, researching online, just Facebooking it punk bands in Costa Rica, you know, like, yeah and uh, I came across a few random things and bands that had been broken up for years. And finally I got a hold of a band called Alder Catos and uh, they set it up. The biggest thing that we ended up doing, uh, we were like, we looked at it like a vacation instead set a tour. So we've, mm-hmm. we, we uh, like, we're gonna book as many shows as we can, which isn't very many there, right? You know what I mean? And then the rest of the time, we'll just be on vacation and see the ocean and go fucking hang out with Poison Dart Frogs, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, we 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 only played a weekend warrior thing. We played a Friday in Heredia and a Saturday in Cartago, and uh, there was originally supposed to be a show in Jaco but uh, something happened with the promoters or whatever. So we ended up only doing two shows and being there for a week. So it was like, that's not really a tour. It's more of a weekend warrior thing in another country, but it was uh, really quite awesome. And the people there are so uh, they're really responsive and really happy that you're there. They're very uh, aware that there's not many bands coming there. So they've seen, you know, it's like, there's, you know, a handful of bands from there and they've fucking seen them. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so when a band comes through, they're like, they're like really grateful. And really, I must have taken a hundred photos with people. Can I take a picture with you? Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> okay. You know, like it was a fucking really good experience. I'd love mm. to see that scene grow to a point where each city has its own thing the way that we do. And that way you could go on a real tour there. Mm. Uh, as of right now, there's only like really five really populated places that you could maybe play. Mm. And we were able to figure out over a course of four months uh, only two shows. Right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of uh, a variable and they, they set things up very differently than what they do here. Whereas like whoever's still in the show has to bring a PA, bring the lights, bring the production. It's like sure. the, everyone that's putting on a show is a production team rather than a venue, you know, like, uh, you know, we pull into a fucking bar in Seattle. There's already lights. There's already a fucking PA. There's already, you know, they, you bring a shit, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, there it's, uh, everyone uses the same gear, uh, you can't make their fucking porn jam sound good then that's your fault you know what i mean like uh, the drummer uh, uh, you know the drummer plays on whatever drum set they have at the moment you know uh which is funny because our drummers got like this big fucking like ridiculous iron maiden like rock set you know like really and it was like the little it was like this little beat up punk rock set it was like you know the one tom you know that that thing yeah 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 that's funny watching him go okay yeah, i could do this you know, like, <laughs> but, uh, uh,
0: get creative as the really roles great.
1: Yeah. And every band there was, uh, every single one of them were fucking tight as hell. They were all mm. just like dead on solid on both shows. Um, and we played with a total of like seven bands or something. And honestly, I tell you their names, but I really not that great at Spanish in the room. There's some really great stuff though. I mean, it was just like immensely tight, like mm. take like intricacy of uh of classical metal type guitar players and shit and press it into no effect sounding punk rock and it's just like solid as fuck you know like <laughs>
0: that sounds pretty cool man i mean how how many how many countries has pop belly been to over the years
1: uh just uh the united states canada mexico and costa rica
0: okay that's right,
1: doing right. the uh, yeah, uh, we've done a lot of U.S. touring, very little uh, Mexico, and uh, and you know we go to we live about two and a half hours from Canada, so we go through time to time. And play mm-hmm. and that's that place is got a good scene too. Vancouver, BC's got a really great scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's where um is that where Pooza Fest is? Uh, that that is that what that that takes place, or is that my thinking Ontario? I
1: don't know. Yeah, maybe Ontario. I'm yeah. Not, yeah, we never played the east coast of it. Um, everything's been on the west coast uh hmm. you know uh, i just know vancouver and and victoria like we're playing there in march with the Glow abortions we played there a couple times with them uh hmm. but there's like it was, it's a good scene there it's like everyone's kind of just you know it's like where doa is at and
2: yeah
1: fucking uh where snfu is at and uh you know it's like you just show up and before chai died you just see him at our shows randomly you know like just due to the crowd because that's where he fucking lives you know like <laughs> you know um and that's the Glow cool. abortions are always always on top of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, um before I mean you 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 guys have been playing together since 1995, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of before that, was there were there other bands that you were in or was this like this was the band these were the yeah. friends because Whitby Island's quite a small place, right?
1: Yes it is. It's uh it's a series of small towns and they're all small towns. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, no uh so I in 1990 or 91, I met Jeff there and uh, me and him started jamming together a little bit. Uh, and uh, I hadn't heard from him for a little while. And one day he just called me and said, this is, this is thrash band, thrash metal band that's looking for a vocalist and a drummer. And uh, that's kind of new or whatever. And uh, you guys want, you want to try out? And I was like, well, there's fucking literally no punk scene there at this point. Right. Um and, uh, you know, I like metal too. So I'm like, sure. I'll fucking, I'll, I'll go try it out. So me and him tried out and we both made it. So we started playing in that band. Well, through that band, we met a band called, uh, Grumblethorpe. That was uh, kind of a crossover band and, yeah. uh, that was Ken Ball and Curtis Jay's band. And, uh, they broke up and I quit Zen and me and Ken and Curtis from Grumblethorpe started Belly in 95. Mm. Uh, Curtis quit in 96 and Jeff from Zen then joined Podbelly and we've gone through a lot of member changes and stuff, but that's, that's just kind of how it started. It was like two different bands that were like playing together all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Grumblethorpe wasn't Ken and Curtis's band. That was a band they joined. And right. Zen was a band that me and Jeff joined. So it was like other writers, you know, and uh, it was fun for what it was, but it wasn't our thing. And yeah. we wanted to do something on our own. And by the time 90, the end of 94 happened, we are uh, we were all talking about it a whole bunch and finally, Finally, practices started happening, and here we are.
0: Because <laughs> I suppose as well, like you're under the shadow of Seattle, which is not far away. And I suppose at that time, it was the you know the grunge explosion was happening. So was that ever a path that you wanted to go down, or was that not not really your? No, I mean I, I mean I have,
1: I I know people in that scene. um The thing about Washington State in general, really the Northwest in general, but Washington State is it's a it's really kind of a homegrown rock and roll thing.
2: Mm.
3: Uh,
1: you know, I mean, there's a lot of places in the world that I know are like more tribal. People are like, we play punk rock, we play metal, we hate each other or right, rock and yeah. roll, whatever. I'm mean, not like that here for the most part. We just, you know, I mean, musicians are musicians. We all kind of know each other from fucking, from, from school, from partying. We, it's all so small, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's all consolidated that like, you know, like, like Duff McKeegan who played in uh, Guns N' Roses, right? Mm-hmm. He's from here, right? Okay. So, so we know him from, we know him from the farts and from 10 minute warning and from the punk bands he was in back in the day. Right. Or, yeah. or uh, you know, like uh, the Seattle scene, you know, Mike McCready used to fucking just hang out all the time from program before he became a rock star, but it's right. like, you know, it was all kind of just Ronan and uh, you know, so we all know each other and some bands, yeah, some bands I don't like the same way I like others. Sure. But as far as uh, being a Unified rock and roll unit of scene, we're all kind of together, you know. There's no, especially in little places like where we live. There's mm. no picking and choosing who's going to be at your show or what band you play with. There's fucking nine bands, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like so, so it kind of it kind of goes all over the place. There's, you know, uh, mm. the punk bands play with the metal bands, the rock mm. bands, the ska bands. You know, whoever pops up, and uh, as long as everybody's fucking good people, we don't give a fuck you know um so no the grunge thing was not my scene but i was definitely around it a lot
3: mm.
1: um, i was at a party that and they got beat up <laughs> you right. know what i mean like yeah yeah like, like you know life life happens and just because uh one guy's on the radio doesn't mean he's not in the same neighborhood as me
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> so what were kind of some of the bands that you saw around that time that went on to be big then
1: uh a lot of them. Uh, I saw Nirvana at, uh, a, at a mm. house party on the Ave in Seattle, uh, in 1988 or 89 when I was a kid, uh, opening up to the Melvins. They had no idea who the fuck they were. I was just going to go see the Melvins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Soundgarden, saw them a couple of times in the O, o-, o- Metro. K era, uh, at, the uh, uh, in Seattle at the, what the fuck was the name of that place? Okay. Hotel. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then I had like some of the the punk bands that were also like the accused, for instance. Right. Like they were kind of connected with all those bands too because of because of well, because of Duff. Duff from Guns N' Roses was in the farts with playing from the accused. And then you have uh uh the guys that were uh and Tad that started playing with 10-Minute Warning, playing band after that. And it was just all kind of intertwined. Mm-hmm. So you'd see a lot of those bands before they started getting huge or members that would uh, quit a band and eventually go on to be a rock star in some other band. You know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of the scene at that point. Is it, it, Again, a lot of the the grungier, rockier stuff isn't really my cup of tea. You know, it is good for what it is. just not for me that much. Sure. But uh, But you were kind of intertwined the unfortunate part about it was that the, the record industry became too industry in Seattle. And then they started shutting down a lot of the things that weren't that, you know what I mean? So bigger, bigger promoters, you know, like, Oh, kiss is going to play. Who's going to open up for him? Not you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it was just kind of one of those things, you know what I mean? Um, But I mean, the outskirts, you got to get away from Seattle, fuck Seattle for a minute and get into uh, like Everett, Everett's got to fucking massive history that nobody knows about of hardcore bands and dating back to the early eighties, the entire North sound of Puget sound. It's like every time you see a documentary about punk rock in the Northwest, they're always like, they hit Seattle, right. They talk about it for a minute or they hit Portland, they hit Seattle, then they skip right the fuck over everything, go to Vancouver with DOA. There's like this huge massive amount of history from, from past that, that little spot that nobody really knows, Uh, you know, bands like the dehumanizers uh, that fucking, just totally killed it through the eighties uh, you know, like fucking uh, again, the accused, but they, they went on to be rock stars for a little while. Right. Like, mm. you know, um, uh, dumped positively negative. They, the list, the list is really big of bands that went on. were real influential in our area. Yeah. And only we know who they are, right. <laughs> you know?
0: And that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? I suppose um, geographically America is so huge that there can be these pockets and especially kind of pre-internet as well. Oh yeah, there were things going on that probably never got out of the neighbourhoods, you know, or the or the or the town that they were in. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And this is what I love talking to people about is like their local areas and their local scenes and the stories that you don't hear about so often, you know. Right. Uh, so, were you obviously you, after a while? I suppose Seattle was kind of a no-go for playing shows. It was the outskirts then for you guys.
1: Well, we, we, it's not that like we didn't play Seattle. It mm. was just that the, the punk scene in Seattle started really dwindling with the all-ages stuff. There was all kinds of problems with ordinances and shit at the time, too, mm. which kind of started killing the all-ages scene, unfortunately, and started pushing bands more towards the bars and the all-ages bands away from Seattle and uh i mean that it was, it was it was a real problem during that time period because
0: that was a big without, deal like there know, was like, a big i think the the kind of it was a bit like the la scene as well in that area it was quite was it was it quite violent
1: um well sometimes um mm-hmm. but uh you know i don't know I, I i've seen violence at shows many times but most of the time i don't mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's uh kind of a, a given no matter where you're at i think probably yeah. uh you know, I mean, where we're from, there's not a lot of violence it shows, though. Fights do happen every once in a while,
3: mm. you know,
1: um uh when, you know, uh, when some neo-fascist Nazi guy shows up, I'll kick the shit out of you. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, what I mean, like, it's probably best for them not to show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. as far as like everyday violence, yeah, it happens sometimes to, you know, some ter- idiot drunk friends get in a, a fight or whatever. I mean, that, that happens. Uh mm-hmm. But I haven't it's pretty rare that something extraordinarily violent happens in Washington at a mm-hmm. show, you know, I, 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 it's happened. We played a show in Seattle where someone got fucking beat half to death outside of the baseball bat. You know I mean? Right. Things do happen, but um, it's, it's rare. I mean, I've been doing this since 1989, you know, like, and I haven't seen that many horrible things when it comes to shows. Yeah.
0: yeah i think it was but, more like the 80s and maybe into the early 90s but i, I like i said, yeah. i don't know that's the, that's the case it's yeah. possible that there was probably more violent in la because of the gang kind of culture down there as well because i know there were, there yeah. were kind of punk yeah. gangs in la as well weren't
1: there yeah there there was a lot of that actually um but uh i mean that's just the the life they had to live and the the poverty stricken place they were at you know what yeah. i mean it's uh that's the unfortunate thing about uh people when they're hungry enough you know unfortunately they're gonna do what they can to feed their families and uh desperate people have to do desperate things sometimes mm. you know, i mean it's just it's a fucking ongoing thing i wish them all luck and then get out of that culture but it's <laughs> you know it is what it is you know i know if i couldn't feed my fucking kid i'd be doing what i have to you know like, <laughs> exactly yeah, but you,
0: you got to survive right it's you or them yeah. isn't it you know so but yeah. um yeah. yeah so growing up was was guitar the instrument for you or or have you played other instruments as well like was your household particularly musical
1: yeah my dad was a is a uh, guitar player um he was really into like anything from blues to bluegrass as far as playing he uh he got me into music at, at an early age uh with bands like uh kiss and uh, uh alice cooper and frank zappa and black sabbath those kind of things um and my mom was really into the easier version of that like elton john things like that um and uh so i was really i've just been around my whole life you know um and when the 80s happened uh my aunt who lived with us was a little younger than my mom, a little older than me. She was really into everything. because she's a teenager at that point, you know. And during the 80s, it was like a lot of like the hair metal bands, shit like that, um, and, and slowly into punk rock. So I went to a lot of those shows. I mean, you pretty much name any fucking hair metal butt rock band. I've probably seen them, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, going with my aunt or my my mom when I was little. And then, uh, you know, then I started. It's funny because I, I, I got turned on to punk more, by seeing metal bands wearing punk rock t-shirts and wondering what it was right you know like he's wearing a misfit shirt what is that or a Ramon shirt you know and and that's that's what slowly got me into that i guess i mean i think the first punk song i heard was uh, god save the queen from the sex pistols and that was definitely from my aunt but um as i progressed and started learning things on my own i obviously discovered a whole world that i didn't know existed you know Mm.
0: So what? That, that's yeah. a pretty decent bass to start from. Is kind of you know Sabbath, Zeppelin, Zappa, uh, even Elton yeah. John. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a good little playing field there. And then onto the hair metal stuff. Um, what what was I suppose you know when you when you started learning guitar, what was the song that you heard that made you think? Well, I, I want to a I want to play that guitar riff, and b was there was yeah. there another was there another song that made you think? Well, maybe I can do that as a living no it
1: was never like that it was more just like i uh i had and i still do i always have it so it's like a curse and a blessing at the same time i have melody in my head all the time i hear notes and the wheels on your car turning i i I can't get away from music it's all there at all times and it's been there since i was a child uh so because of that i never really set out to uh learn somebody else's material I learned uh you know my dad would show me songs like I learned a CCR song right you know that kind of thing when I was a yeah. kid uh but that wasn't necessarily because I wanted to learn that particular song it was because I want to learn how to play that instrument right um and I started writing almost immediately like as soon as I started fucking around with strings I started figuring things out and writing shitty songs that progressed into something better um but uh there was never like a song that was like, I need to learn that song. That's the one. It was mm-hmm. more just like, I have these things in my fucking head that I need to get out. And that was uh, my way of doing it.
0: How do I make that sound with this instrument?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so what, were, you know, what, what about your, it sounds like you had a pretty decent record collection at home, but um, what was the first uh, single or album that you bought with your own money? Cause these are often where we find out where the true, uh a pop fan lives
1: iron maiden killers
0: okay i was that's really pretty, young that's pretty and cool. i hadn't
1: and honestly i hadn't, hadn't ever heard of the album uh mm. my uncle had a poster of it and when i was really little as what 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 year was that like 1981 or something nineteen eighty two, to something like around
0: that. around there yeah i'm sure it is yeah
1: yeah and i was yeah. born in 77 so that's that puts me pretty young <clears> at that point right yeah. when i was little that fucking record cover scared the shit out of me right it was like <laughs> what is this so when i when i got to a, a point where i was appreciating music on my own and rather than just being around it i uh i found that at the local record store on cassette and fucking bought it instantly
0: mm. I, I, I mean out. iron maiden's <laughs> album covers are just some of the best out there they've got the most iconic oh, yeah. looking uh yeah. mascot in eddie <laughs> and you nicked that as well for potbelly right you did the swiller uh, we're still swillers album oh
1: yeah yeah we did we did <laughs> <laughs> wonderful parody <laughs> don't sue me guys don't sue me
0: <laughs> yeah i'm sure they're listening um but yeah it's uh, like you say they're just they're so iconic looking those album covers um oh yeah and i can i can totally see why that uh kind of um would attract like a younger a younger teen like were you a teenager at that point or even pre-teen pre-teen yeah. I was
1: probably like 11 or something yeah.
0: it's kind of that um it's like yeah. it's like a comic book right they all look like comic books
1: yeah.
0: and it's exciting yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah so um what about the kind of live aspect of it like when did you start playing live were you straight out the gate i mean obviously you've been playing with those metal bands previously how long were you in those
1: okay so in 1989 there was a kid band that was starting up no one really knew how to play instruments they were all in the 6th grade uh called salvation and mm-hmm. uh, they asked me to sing for them uh they thought they were going to be a metal band they were a bunch of metalhead kids you know fucking mm-hmm. but they weren't anywhere near good enough to be a metal band so really they were more of a a sloppy proto-punk band
3: right that
1: was uh and uh so i did i we practiced all the time because none of us knew how to play fucking anything we're all awful and i wasn't playing guitar for him; i was just singing Mm -hmm. uh and uh we played one party in 1989 and that was the extent of that i think we played like six songs (laughs) uh one of those songs uh hick from cootville uh ended up living with me. It's, it's, it's on a popular record, you mm. know, and I ended up recording it with that, with that band, uh, with our band years and years, years later. Um, uh, but then uh, Zen came around and I was in that band from 92 to 94 and then pop I, I then I joined a, a, a pop punk band that, that needed a bass player
3: mm.
1: uh, called Schizo in Everett, Washington. So I'd commute over for practice for that for a while. But that was a uh, uh, very short-lived, mm. uh, and then uh, the whole starting poplite thing happened. So it's like mm. I, I just kind of went from boom, 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 boom all the way through mm. it. Um, so I've been doing it pretty much since 1989. I mean, really since 1992 when Zen mm. thing happened because the 8990 salvation thing was a uh, very short-lived and played one show and never put out a record. You know what I mean? Mm, like yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah I did a, uh, I haven't stopped. I mean then I've played in a bunch of side project bands too, you know, over mm. the years. Uh me and my wife were in a band together called the Porn Stars of Horror <laughs> and uh that band was supposed to put out one record and do a couple shows and it ended up being fucking ten records in five years. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And uh so it's just it's just been a roller coaster the whole time and i'm 46 now you know and i started playing when i was 12 so Mm. it's a lot of years of it
0: a lot of experience and um i suppose what what would you say has changed the most in the kind of in organizing um you know tours and gigs in though in that in that time period so i assume you know early days it's the kind of looking in the phone book and trying to organize a gig via maps and and whoever has got the contacts for such and such a city
1: yeah well back in the day it was uh you know where we lived we'd had to rent halls Mm. or there was no there was no bar or you know venue on woodby island so we'd have to rent the like the iof halls and the Mm. eagles lodges and things like that and put on our own shows um or we throw house parties the house parties are a huge thing for a long time
3: mm-hmm.
1: um uh, and then when it came around to pop it was the first band I started touring with uh and our first tour was absolutely awful. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and i and i I've been since the beginning I've been the guy that's been the guy that trying to set everything up and do everything right. I do all the work i mean, uh, you know and uh so a popelli uh when we first started touring our first tour was in uh, uh 97 or 98, somewhere in there. And, uh, it was all book, your own fucking life. I don't know if you remember that magazine, mm. but there was a magazine that published that it was just like, it had every promoter, every club, every, you know, it was like some people were legit. Some people just put their shit in there because they're fucking assholes. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, so like you're, you're, you're basically just looking at, uh, these big giant maps and looking at these promoters and calling each one of them and sending records to the mail or cassettes at the time or whatever the fuck we had, and uh so it was uh it was a lot harder to keep track of right like today you just go online are they doing their job is there fucking flyers up is there you know (laughs) is there an event page (laughs) you know what i mean but (laughs) then it was then it was like you're just at the mercy of whoever the fuck is uh doing your shows you know like um but those early days you saw a lot of cool stuff though. was like fucking uh like playing in a basement with afi You know what I mean? Before they were a big band, or you know, things like that, or playing at a high school auditorium with gutter mouth. You know what I mean? Like there's like (laughs) you know, there's random weird shit that happened back then. You know, like uh, because of those things, because no Mm -hmm. one knew what the fuck they were doing. No one, and and at that time, a lot of those bigger bands that are you know big punk bands now weren't big punk bands then. You know, and they were they were doing the same thing we were doing. They're looking to book your own fucking life and fucking calling us, and we were calling them. And it was (laughs) there's a lot of there's some cool things that happened because of it. There's also there's like a lot of like. You know drive for fucking nine hours and find out the show's not actually happening shit you know what I mean that that oh, did happen a couple of times
0: that's so yeah <laughs> i mean i've I've been reading uh, a lot of books i listen you know I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff at the moment. I just finished reading bad Religions do what you want uh book And yeah. I'm reading no effects is um the hepatitis bathtub at the moment and <laughs> yeah that's a fucking brilliant book and um
1: poor Mike and his daughter poor uh, Mike's poor daughter I Mike.
0: know I know <laughs> I just think of like everything that he said ever and yeah oh god but um yeah like the, it just sounds like I know that obviously there must be a bit of kind of nostalgic looking back and and kind of romanticizing that period of time but it really does seem like the wild west in a way like it was just people with no clue of what they were doing but somehow oh yeah somehow these nationwide tours were were done and like christ knows how it mm-hmm. happened you know without without technology how did you you know how 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 are you supposed to function without a phone without google maps do you know what i mean <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> yeah it was uh yeah if you talk to a young band today they look at you like you're an alien when it comes to that particular sure. subject matter for sure <laughs> I, uh, those times where like oh wait this map looks like this is a shortcut and you start driving down you're like oh no i'm on the oregon trail it's not a shortcut at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but no i can imagine
0: yeah driving because the the drives are killer out there that's the thing that i think us brits don't really understand because like everything here is within an hour of the next thing
1: (laughs) yeah Um, no it's not here uh, the fucking Washington state's massive and that's just one state. Uh, yeah. We have to drive through waste to get to the next gig. You know, it's just fucking six, seven, nine, ten 10 hour drives, you know, between everything. Um, you know, if you play in a, uh, you know, like just going cross country, you know, you're, you're, you, you'll play a show every night, but every single day you're driving at least seven hours, you know, it's just mm-hmm. fucking uh, how it is. You get used to it though. It, it wears you out. The older you get, the harder it is, but we keep doing it somehow.
0: Cause it's just what, you know, I suppose, you know, like you say, you do get used to it. It's tiring, but the, uh, the end product actually getting up on stage of a night and playing for an hour and a half or whatever yeah. it is, an hour is, is totally worth it. Um, despite probably not making enough money to, uh, to make it back in some cases, but uh, yeah, I can imagine. Oh, yeah. You never know you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the old days. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Yeah. So that's another I mean, thing, too. Is some countries, they, I noticed that some, like the standard set list time for bands in Washington state is a half an hour to 45 minutes in yeah. the United States, right? Where uh, a lot of places it's an hour, some places it's an hour and a half. If I try to play an hour and a half as fast as we are, I fall over dead. <laughs>
0: yeah you guys Just, yeah. you guys play fast and you play hard by the sounds of it i mean I've listened to a bunch <laughs> of your stuff I haven't been able to listen to all of it because there's a lot of it out it there yeah, it well. <laughs> but um I've listened to what's available on you know apple and and bandcamp and stuff um and there's certainly uh elements of bands like uh Dead Kennedy's especially in the lead vocalist voice yeah oh. And
1: yeah me and Ken the, it, the bass player sh- we switch off. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah there's kind of Dead Kennedys there's kind of bad religion but faster um there's 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 a, there's a bit of metal in there as well i can hear that influence coming through. Like what mm-hmm. we what were your particular influences as a guitarist and and kind of what bands have kind of influenced and shaped the sound of Potbelly.
1: Oh that's a that's a wide range of stuff. I'm sure. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's like okay. So, guitar player wise, RKL R- R- for sure is a big one. Um, Rich kids and LSD, fucking yeah. uh, the accused, which is on the other side of the spectrum, more metally, right? Mm. Um, Bad Religion for sure, with a lot of the vocal work, um, the harmonies. Yeah. Um, millions of dead cops with the with the intensity for sure, with the fast uh DRI that kind of stuff real crossover fast hardcore uh was a big thing the circle jerks was a big one mm. um but I could just keep going I mean yeah. the, the, the list goes on you can go like cox bar fuck yes on the other hand the metal side exodus fuck yes you know I could just you know like <laughs> so you just take kind of take all these elements and uh I don't know how to say it. I think music always shapes you you know, like I, uh, I, I can't say that there's an influence that was more than another from a childhood to the time I am now. Because still to this day, I see a new band that can influence me in some way, uh, musically or their stage presence or or uh, some harmonies they're doing or a guitar little fucking DTD they did a little noodling. You know, like there's the, it's it's always there. So um, I don't think that there's a. I can't just pinpoint it. I guess I could, I could go off on the, my top 500 bands if you want, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But That's a, that's a big fucking list and We're they're just, all over the
0: place. You know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have always thought that's the best way to be is kind of be open with your music taste and taking elements from everywhere, because then you'll, yeah. you'll pick up, like you say, little bits from everywhere, which makes you sound more unique because you're kind of, bringing in bits from metal as well as hardcore punk and pop punk and shoving it all in mm-hmm. a blender and you become a more rounded right. musician, I think as well.
1: Right. Let's see what happens when we take the specials in
0: Exodus and put them together. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is that? I don't know. Let's try it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things yeah. to do. And also I suppose, right. you know, politics is uh, kind of front and center in a lot of the songs. I mean, a lot of the albums and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, the song titles are are funny and aggressive at the same time you know uh right and yeah. uh I, I i guess like and as well as the artwork is kind of cartoony with the with the kind of pig mascot and stuff so yeah, yeah. do you take having fun seriously or are you serious but you want to stick a bit of fun on top like what's wh- i think wh-
1: it goes both ways yeah. i think that there's been times where i was dead serious about a lot of things and had something to say mm. and then times that all those things that i was saying was pissing me off too much so i had to write something funny sure. to make it to break them not and make me feel a little better right i mean i use comedy as a defense mechanism i always have mm. and you could see that in lyric writing yeah. i don't mean the satirical funny mm. part things that's yeah, not it's not something that i it's a it's, it's comedy to me those things uh, Whereas a song like Throw the Brick is very fucking serious, right? You know, um so yeah, I try to throw in some humor. Maybe maybe it's just part of that's kind of my personality, maybe, you know, like uh it's our personalities. We were we're a bunch of fun loving people, you know what I mean? But we're also pissed about things. Hmm. You know, so maybe it's just uh, uh you know, I mean, when you when you're in the same band since you were seventeen, you're almost fifty it's Uh, the best part of you and the worst part of you is well documented, you know? (sighs) And uh, I think that that's a pretty noticeable in the songwriting. You'd be like, it was a, you know, a time where I said something that pissed people off. So I'm like, oh, fuck you. Then I'll I'll just double down on that, piss you off. And start writing some stupid shit that just, it's going to make you mad and fucking they're going to freak out. I'm going to go full dwarves on this one. And then, you know, then I'm like, okay, well, I've calmed down now, you know, settled down my ADHD a little bit. Okay. Now it's time to write about something that pisses me off in real life. You know, like, so I think it's kind of gone every direction with that.
0: I think punk rock is the kind of perfect place to be able to do that as well. Like both the aggressive um, kind of uh, heartfelt and, and serious thoughts, but also, with a twist of uh, I suppose bands like no effects for example do that perfectly um you know they lampoon the left and the right and themselves Mm -hmm. and everyone else and you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. yeah you know I think they're the masters of it actually um but yeah certainly like some of the uh the um the song titles that stuck out to me were stuff like revenge of fuck face the pig for example or (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's 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 a bunch of there's a bunch of titles like that that just made me made me smile and then you listen to them and you kind of you're making out the lyrics and yeah it's just i i've 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 really uh become a bit of a fan really um so i'm quite looking forward to the fact i mean the the reason that we uh that we're talking today is because you reached out on like a local facebook site um to do with music in the southeast of england <laughs> and i i answered yeah yeah uh, and uh and took up the call so hopefully at some point we'll be playing together um in the next few months over here so this is going to be your first time over in the uk right
1: yep yeah. first time i'm uh it's fucking it's expensive to get over there, man i am surprised at how expensive it is to set up shows in that's that area really and maybe it's just because there's such a cultural hub there people bands fucking constantly getting all of every promoter so like okay well like we got to pencil you in that I means so there's got to be a you know down payment from whatever promoter and blah blah that's mm-hmm. not how it works here right so so it's a, it's a little different for me uh, as far as booking yeah. um but yeah we'll be there in july for sure 100 percent. it's happening we've got enough shows actually lined up to where i know that it's happening so we're just trying to get a few other dates filled in and you know i want to do all of the uk if i can mm. um you know I, I want to do england and wales and scotland and ireland i want to do all of it so what so what shows
0: uh, have you got definitely lined up at the moment then
1: oh fuck i don't have anything in front of me at the moment oh Uh, no uh, don't
0: worry if you don't have the, (laughs) i know for definite there's going to be a london gig at one of the signature brew venues Uh, yes
1: yeah i know that one that's the first show on the tour
0: yeah so it'll be off the plane straight to the venue (laughs) (laughs) pretty much are you planning on having any downtime at all or is it just it's just over here and it's going to be one a night kind of thing
1: it's just gonna be one a night and go. Um, I mean, the, the luckily again, the most of the places are pretty close. I think the longest drive is like fucking Northern England to Scotland, and that's like three and a half hours. Yeah, you know. So, and we're used to again, we're used to five to nine hour days every time we go on tour. So, um, uh, so that's nothing for us. We could we could sightsee a little bit while we're while we're at places and go to record stores and get pissed off. I don't have any money on me
0: and. You know. <laughs>
1: Give hand jobs to the homeless to get a little money to get my record
0: stores. <laughs> there's a uh, there's enough of them over here, sadly enough. So um, yeah, yeah, it won't be uh, won't be difficult uh, because um, <laughs> much like I'm sure your uh, your government, our government is fucking this place over something stupid at the
1: moment. Oh, God, I'm not even convinced <laughs> they're not the same fucking government to be honest.
0: Like <laughs> it might as well yeah. have been for the past five or six years, maybe more.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our government's fucked. There's, there's no correct answer, you know. Yeah, right now, we really are. We have the choices of the, the you know, you hear the lesser of the two evils, fucking stereotype. But right now, it really is just that. Yeah. Like, you know, we had the choice of uh, this fascist, neo fascist, orange piece of shit, scumbag, sexist, homophobic, fucking cocksucker, or <laughs> a warmongering corporate piece of shit. Right. That was, that's it. That's what we have.
0: Don't hold back, Jason. Tell us what you really think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate them. I hate them all. You know, uh,
0: like you say, there's no right answer. Unfortunately, nothing is, Um, nothing's kind of coming to the rescue by the seams of things. So it's, it's got to be ground level, hasn't it? It's got to be the people t- looking after each other. It feels like, but where's the money yeah, for that much. coming from? <laughs>
1: Fuck. Right. I mean, yeah. families are starting to move in together again. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the economy is just getting weirder and weirder. Things are getting better in some ways and they way worse than others. You know, the housing market's ridiculous. I'm trying to rent a house. I've, I'm renting an apartment right now for $2,300 a month. You know what I mean? Like oh, what crazy. the fuck is that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Really in a small town, not even in the big city. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's fucking ridiculous here. Um, uh, so, because of that, you're seeing a lot more mom and dad move back into with their kids, or you know, they, families consolidating again. Which is a, uh, it's great that they're taking care of each other, but it's awful that they have to. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: because I genuinely um, thought COVID was going to probably sort things out. Um, because it seemed like I don't know how COVID was for you. I, I assume you know it was uh, not exactly the easiest of times, but um, it seemed like community spirit lifted a little bit more especially over here anyway i don't know like say what it was like over there um and it seemed like the idea was you know people finally started thinking about everyone like as a community and as a whole rather than as individuals and i thought well maybe this is going to be the start of something better and um yeah it's just it's not happened (laughs) if anything it swung right back across to like rampant like capitalism again and and yeah price hikes and no yeah. waging it's just yeah anyway <laughs> yeah not just,
1: not here it, i think it actually got worse i think really? the 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 trump administration in general caused more divide in this country than i've seen in my lifetime
3: mm-hmm. than
1: before um and uh i mean it didn't help that we had that piece of shit on tv saying that it was a fucking hoax all the time mm-hmm. right yeah, these brainwashed fucking idiots driving around with big trucks with fucking flags on their back on the back of them fucking everywhere, dressed in full camouflage. Some of them mm-hmm. walking around with rifles into fucking their local Safeways, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it was and it was very common for a minute there. That's what was happening, and they were purposely sneezing in each other's faces and shit. Is they it's a Democrat hoax, it's a Democrat hoax, and they are repeating this fucking idiots bullshit. And if anything, it it created more divide in this country than ever before. We've always had, we've always had to here. Don't get me wrong. And we'll go back far enough. You know, you're talking about a country that was built on the backs of slaves and and fucking complete fucking wiped out the fucking, the populace that was here before it. There's yeah. always been bullshit because of this country. But uh, in my lifetime from the late seventies till now, I, this is the first time where I'm seeing like neo-fascist openly being neo-fascist, mm. why people are fighting against it and then getting ridiculed for fighting against it. Right. You know, you uh, you get them on the news and they start talking about how anti-fascists are now a terrorist group, you know, like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Right. You know, like, and that's been happening since the Trump administration, but COVID doubled down on it.
0: That was the and whole thing that, all of a sudden- that move against Antifa. I, I had to start looking that up. I was like, have I got this wrong? Like <laughs> Antifa right. being like a terror, like, I, I had to literally look it up and was like, Oh no, 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 I am right. Like, <laughs> This is just absolute <laughs> bullshit, but it's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, the UK became a utopia during COVID. It certainly didn't. And we had our problems with lunatics and, and certainly divisions have become stronger since Brexit in 2016. And they were kind of widened a bit during COVID. But on the whole, it felt like things, you know, weren't quite so toxic and yeah, the 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 stuff coming out of America, like during you know, it, it was it, a lot of it was Trump's speeches and things like that. And they always try and find the most uh, extreme people to interview on the news, you know, to give their two cents.
1: Oh yeah, um, and they're your fucking neighbors.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was was that like the the you know the 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 neo fascists in their camouflage and the rifles was that happening in your area?
1: Oh yeah. Massively. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot. We had, there's one idiot <laughs> can't make this, sh- I can't even make this shit up. Okay. You know, we'd see these, I don't know if you've had this problem that where you're at, but we have this, the caravan of fucking gravy warriors, what we call them is a bunch of fucking fat white dudes in camouflage drive around <laughs> in big trucks, right? They had all these big trucks and they all had these stupid fucking flags waving on the fucking back And Trump won fucking, American flags, whatever the fuck, Confederate flags, Mm -hmm. which is a weird combination to put together anyway. And (laughs) fucking assholes. And uh, so there's this dude that was walking around my neighborhood that didn't have a truck. He was poorer than the rest of them. So instead, he'd walk around and camouflage, full Teflar vests, two rifles, handguns, knives in his boots with fucking flags sitting off his backpack. So he's walking around with these big dumb flags on his back because he didn't have the truck. This was common. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow! I, I'm just, I, yeah you know i mean it's I saw, hard
1: it's hard to explain
0: i saw some things like on social media over here i never witnessed anything too bad in real life but again as you say people sneezing in each other's faces there were people over here coughing and 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 spitting into like the faces of store workers and stuff and you're just like, Fine. how brainwashed do you have to be? That's the thing, right? I, I, I yeah, it, it wound me up. Yeah. So your your COVID period, were you uh, mainly at home? Did you did you manage to? How did you manage to survive it? Were you were you guys okay?
1: I was home for a few months, and then uh, and then got back to work when they uh, when I was when I was able to be. Um, but I mean, we had as a band, we had a whole bunch of shows lined up that obviously got canceled. We mm. were supposed to be over there at that time. Okay. We were supposed to do our first UK and Europe thing. I uh, was supposed to go to Indonesia. We had a bunch of stuff lined up and all got canceled, obviously. Mm. But uh, so it was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a blow. Like everybody else had to go through a blow. Right. You know, mm. but uh, we doubled down and just started recording. That's when we did the necessity of rebellion out we started recording it immediately. We're like, okay. well, fine, we're going to be in the studio the whole fucking time. So we stayed busy that way. Um, as far as actual work, you know, it was a couple months of unemployment, then hmm. back to it when we were able to work the, the part-time gigs or whatever with hmm. water masks and all that shit, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: so you weren't, a, you know, weren't stuck in your house having to watch the news because there was nothing else to do like some of us.
1: No, I mean, we were able to go outside and mm. walk around and shit, we just, the most businesses were closed. So we weren't able to just, it's like you weren't going to go take your wife out to dinner. You know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and public places were very discouraged upon going to. So a lot of the parks shut down and things like that. Mm. Um, luckily, I live in a, in a, you know, uh, Whidbey Island and the surrounding area is basically just one big rainforest. So you can go down to the, you know, you hit, hit some trails, go mm. watch some fucking animals, do things like that. That, you know, I was able to do a lot of that. Which is, yeah. which is cool you know but um um you know hike out of the mountains go see some waterfalls shit like that you know just nerd out in the nerd in the woods but that's pretty much it you know it's like i had my band practices and studio time and uh and uh playing in nature <laughs> mm.
0: but being able to get out into nature and especially into such kind of wild nature as there is there it must have been must have been quite you know, it's quite something. Is that something that you do generally during your downtime anyway, or was it something that you kind of yeah. red- rediscovered? Yeah,
1: it's good. I know I've I've been doing it. I mean, I'm anyone from here knows their spots. You know, sure. um, I'm surrounded by uh, lakes and ocean, and you know, the, on an island in the Puget Sound. <clears throat> you know, and then yeah. right past that is uh, the mountain ranges, and there's there's shit everywhere here. You know, mm-hmm. it's just you know, you you take it granted you take for granted those things because you're so fucking used to them you know you yeah. see a tourist pull up and they're taking pictures of fucking deer like why are they taking pictures of deer they see <laughs> them every day oh yeah that's right because they don't see them every day <laughs> you know what i mean
0: no, it seems like a wonderful place to to kind of grow up and live actually but yeah like you say you kind of become accustomed to what you're accustomed to don't you
1: yeah yeah well it's just like me being in costa rica i'm fucking tripping out i'm like look, oh, poison dart frogs people were like yeah whatever
0: you know yeah, like right. <laughs> <laughs> so because you you released an album back in 2019 as well so like was that early in 2019 or was it late in 2019 then you couldn't play those you know you couldn't promote that oh
1: um yeah uh that was a legacy debauchery yeah no we we released that pretty early in 19 we did uh two tours three tours for it Mm. and then uh yeah So it wasn't like on that.
0: you know, you you release something at the end of 2019, had a couple of months, and then that was it for two or three years.
1: Yeah, no, we actually got back from tour not too long before the shutdown happened, so Mm. it was like we had gotten back. Usually, when we get back from tour, we take like two weeks off doing anything, Um, just just to fucking regroup and not, you know, we don't want to see each other for a minute. (laughs) Stuck in a van for that long, you know, like. Uh, no practice, I'll see you in a couple of weeks You know that kind of thing
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, we got back from tour And played three local shows And and then the shutdown happened It was like we played uh, with TSOL In Bellingham, Washington Played in Oak Harbor And then played the uh, Bremerton uh, At the Charleston And then it was like that The night of the Charleston Was right after they said that No more than 200 people could be in a room together hmm. So they, they had the clicker out And they let 200 people in Out to house that night but it was like, it was the first time I that any of us saw people wearing masks and shit like that. And we didn't, you know, it was like, because it was so new and fresh. We didn't really know. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a lot. The information wasn't there yet. It was just kind of like, oh, this thing's happening way, way from us. And then all of a sudden it was like, it was there. And they shut everything down two days after that show. So the, everything got canceled after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know I was playing um, up in London uh, the day before the lockdowns are introduced and we had a gig that the next weekend up in um, up in Camden and we were kind of arming and ahhing as to whether to do it. And then all of a sudden we were told like no more public, you know, public performances. Everyone's got to stay at home. So the decision was made for us, but um, yeah, it seemed like there was a strange transition period coming out of COVID with various lockdowns coming in and out and stuff. But how have you found gigs being both from like from like an audience perspective like have you found audiences have changed at all since um since covid or have have things kind of returned back to normal
1: uh yes and no okay so uh the end of 2019 the scene here was uh at its height i want to say it had grown to uh, the best place it's been in many years hundreds of people you know fucking really good shows Mm. and then uh Covid thing happened, then when when it stopped happening, when we started being able to go back to shows, it was a very slow crawl. You know, people were starting to come out, but the big crowds weren't yet. Yeah, people were reluctant to come out to big crowds, so it was like instead of playing in a little bar to eighty people, we were playing to thirty people, and it just kind of started to build. And it's getting back to normal now, all Mm. these years later, but uh, it's taken a long time to get to that point. Mm. You know, we played some really good shows this year for sure i'm really thankful for a lot of it but it took a you know from from 2020 to the beginning of 2023 it was from no shows to really small shows and now it's starting to build back up
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that was that's basically been the way it's been over here as well i've noticed that my local scene has kind of got a lot more tight like the bands are more kind of friendly towards each other now because i think everyone missed it you know, misdoing it. Yeah, And there seems to be a little bit more in the way of like bands getting paid slightly more fairly as well, which is quite nice. Cause it never used to happen much before you used to kind of turn up. And if you got paid, it was a bonus. Whereas now it feels like there's regular kind of payments, even for smaller bands now, which is quite nice. I feel like people are valuing live music a little bit more now, especially in my area.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that for sure. Mm. Um, you know, I mean venues that have a cover charge or tickets, they they've been paying us decently for sure. And then there's mm. venues that don't charge, you know, it's a free show, so they charge they give you out of the bar. That all depends on uh
0: how many people are drinking. Uh,
1: <laughs> how many people are drinking, yeah, exactly. And their yeah. appetite. We got paid for <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um but you know, there is a, a definite sense of community in our scene at the moment, you know, like, and we haven't had too much of a problem over the years of bands, not really, you know, being competitive or being weird here. Mm. I mean, it does happen sometimes. It's usually some metal band crossing arms, you know, (laughs) whatever, you know, (laughs) you know, but uh, most of, most people are pretty, you know, cool with each other in the scene, you know, like, and uh, the bands help each other out. You know, especially on Woodby Island, such a small homegrown place. There's no, mm. there's not that many bands, you know, like, you know, I could I could literally count them on fucking, there's seven bands right now in Woodby Island. So it's always, yeah, like,
0: you know. it's always uh, that, but I like, I like that. I like the community vibe Um, over here. It feels like there's almost like a band on every single street. That's how it feels over here. But uh so there's a lot of competition, but yeah. yeah feels like people are yeah slightly more friendly than they used to be again there used to be a lot of that they'd turn up and they'd sit there impress me you know <laughs> and now it's right. uh, they get a little bit more involved which is always good um so yeah, no, it's, yeah. It, but what i love about the all these conversations that i have with people from wherever they are in the world it always sounds like music people are the same kind of people wherever you go and um, yeah pretty much i'm glad to hear that yeah the uh the the scene over there is uh just as welcoming and uh kind of positive and thriving as it is over here
1: yeah no i i love it
0: here so what's what's coming up next then so you released an album earlier on was it this year or was it last year sorry
1: the last album came out last year yeah yeah and so we put out a lot of since then but uh i mean like eps we have a fuck i don't even know but uh, we put out so much records all the time so what we uh, just constant content we just came out with the split with all Ticados and then and, and, and uh in costa rica uh before that oh, i think wow. we did two ep seven and a single or you know like since the album's come out i think there's been like nine releases right. so um
0: that's an incredible yeah. rate of stuff i mean it's well over a hundred releases over your over the band's career like yeah you say you've got music going around in your head all the time. And obviously that is true. Like, what are you, the main songwriter in the band?
1: Uh, at the moment, yes. We've had people come and go in this band that's, that have have, uh, contributed quite a bit on certain records. Um, Mm. but, uh, out of me, Ken and and Jeff, the three piece that we are now, the, the core guys, uh, Mm. I write almost everything. Ken writes occasionally. Um, Mm but yeah, most of, most of it's me. Um, when, uh, we did sterilize the stupid and, uh, pop princess blues and, uh, the fuck the name of that album was <laughs> whatever, <laughs> when, when Hans and, when Hans and Corey were in the band, they contributed quite a bit during that time period. Um, yeah. and, uh, Christian Ogden, when he was playing with us, uh, contributed, yeah, there's a couple songs on, uh, uh, legacy debauchery and on um test of time that he that he wrote mm. um yeah but um i guess on a percentage level yeah I'm, i i write most of it
0: mm-hmm. and i mean and, and that begs the question like how do you keep coming up with ideas for even the kind of fun <laughs> titles and and uh and especially like the lyrics and stuff like it just it takes me an age to write a song uh, yeah, that's sorry. my
1: hardest thing for writing is lyrics for sure because right. I feel like I've already said fucking everything. You know, I mean, mind you, our our shitty situations in life give me new lyrical content all the time, but it's it's just a new name to another shitty situation. It's like you know, it's like going back to like fucking talking about the early '80s p- hardcore punk bands talking about Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. The story hasn't fucking changed. It's just a new phase.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's like you know. So like you know, it's fucking stupid, but it's true You know, like so. I guess uh, lyrically, it's it, that's the hardest thing for me is writing lyrics. I can do it for sure. I do it. We put out albums, right? But it's a uh, but it's more of a process. Music comes to me like fucking that, and give me a guitar, I'll write a song for you right now. Mm. <laughs> you <know?
0: laughs> oh yeah. man! If only I had that that kind of brain. I just don't have it, but. I've got good people around me who do write good riffs, so uh, so I'm lucky there. <laughs> that's, good. Um, that's good. No, it's ama- it's amazing uh, the, the 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 output that's come out. Like I said, I've listened to a bunch of it. i have nowhere near scratching the surface. I feel like, <laughs> but yeah. So what what's next? Um, you know, what have you got any new uh, music in the pipeline, or is it literally? You know. Oh yeah. You're, you're, yeah.
3: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> it sounds like we you're always
0: that. recording. Do you do you record a lot at home, or is it? Do you, do, is it all no, We have, uh, we like
1: have friends that have studios that we end up in their studio probably, I don't know, 10 mm. times a year or something. We're in the studio. Um, mm. And uh, like if we're doing a split record with somebody, we're not as concerned about doing uh, writing new material for it because it's, you know, we're doing 507 inches, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Uh, so we'll do a re recording of an old song or something like that. Uh, occasionally putting a new song on it. But uh, like right now, we've got a, a split with Punic from, uh, from Japan coming okay. up um that's in the pipeline and we have a uh an ep coming out uh with that comes with a comic book it's pretty rad it's right. uh they just CD, slide in the comic book boom pretty cool uh so that's that's the next in line that i'm working on right now oh, cool. um and then uh i don't know there's uh there's talk of some uk bands doing a splits with us before we do this tour there's but it's just in the talking stage we'll see how that kind of pans out um okay. And um, Altocados, that split we just did with that band from Costa Rica, they're coming Mm. up here to tour with us in uh, fall next year Wow, uh, down the West coast of the United States. And uh, I think that there's a couple bands that they know that are interested in doing stuff with us too. So I'm kind of just kind of playing, playing it out. You know, I, I usually, honestly I, I set up more plans that could possibly than, than could possibly happen and that way when something happens I'm fucking stoked right like let's yeah. just do a split with every fucking band I know one of them's giving me tracks <laughs> one of them's gonna help me out you know like when I'm gonna help them, they're gonna help me it's gonna be perfect you know what I mean like so i you know that's just, that's how I've always done it that's how we have so many fucking records out and it was a long time where because of our our kids and our lives uh and uh you know uh various legal problems and yada yada yada. we weren't able to tour a lot for a period of time so i just dumped all my energy into putting out records and splits with bands constantly if i can't go out there and sell records and tour and do that thing then i wanted those fucking bands that we're touring here's a split with us that's still getting our name out that's a cool piece of wax they have something out of it we get something out of it you know i mean and we've done that a lot we did splits with doa yeah used the Far or not the Farths, but a Fang fucking Oops. Uh, the dwarves, yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the Dwarves with D I. Uh I love D I. Uh I don't know. There's a fucking bunch of bands. Bunch of, uh, the list goes on. It just it's just a, you know, like our millions of dead cops split. Yeah, that's been pressed like nine times now or something. And mm. you know, it's uh and that was kind of the idea. It was just like I can't I can't tour we couldn't tour as much as our peers did, so I just dumped as much money as I could into fucking throwing up, putting out records and splits of bands that I knew that were touring all the time. And it worked.
0: That's incredible. And, yeah. that, and how, how, how did those kind of things come about? Is that just emailing guys or like.
1: Most of the times, cause we we're playing a show with them and then I'd end up fucking housing them at my house. We'd have a good time. We'd talk about it. And next thing I know I'd have tracks. Mm. Uh Sometimes it's just an email. Like when we did uh I helped put together the series "Shut the Fuck Up and Listen." It's a series of seven-inch compilations, yeah. And uh, you know, they were uh, designed specifically to have little bands like my sister's band, the Skeksis, right? Little mm-hmm. garage band. No one knows who they are outside of where we live, right? Yeah. They were a band at that time, and I put them on a record with the fucking Misfits. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so my idea was that I'd get a hold of these rock star bands. Most of them might say no. Some of them might say yes, but and they did. So I started getting tracks sent to me from bigger bands and i just put them together with the smaller bands and it, it, it worked out to be a really cool series and that's kind of how i've been looking at it you can't every band out there if you don't try the the answer's no right
0: absolutely
1: if you, yeah if you ask you might get a yes you might not but what's it going to hurt to ask
0: yeah that's um that <laughs> you know? and and that's a way to kind of i think people don't realize how easy it is to to just ask a question. Whether or not you get the answer, you never know. Right. Like you're saying, until you try. And and it sounds like you've had more more prob- probably. It, it seems like maybe more yeses than no's But I'd imagine probably not because that's not often the way it works. You know. Well,
1: also, I mean, a lot of the bigger bands, you have to go through their management team and blah blah blah, and that's a pain in the ass for even talk to somebody. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you might not even get a response at that point, right? Mm. but I've gotten plenty of responses. I'm on a lot of records, a lot of bands I really love. growing up. I mean, I'm on compilations with fucking, like I said, the Misfits, fucking mm. the Subhumans, you know, the Against All Authority, Citizen Fish, fucking, you know, the, the list is so big. I don't even want to fucking go into it. And it's all because <laughs> of that. It's, because it's just trying. It's like fucking, uh, you know, you play with a band like TSOL or something, talk to them. Your mm. band opens up for fucking no effects talk to them Mm. like you know i mean it's you know you're getting a break in one way try to see what you can do with the next Mm. that's not just for you don't make it about you you know that's why i do compilations and not just splits all the time it's it's about opening up the scene about fucking bringing us together getting the little fucking band that's a garage band 16 years old and putting them on a record with doa you know what i mean like those are that's a way to help your entire scene grow and not
0: just you This is it. It's all about community, community. all about community. I mean, my first ever band got back together in 2021 after like 15 years away. And um, we started putting on our own shows this year and trying to get a group of musicians and a group of bands together and um, really trying to create a community. And we've got a little group of maybe seven or eight bands in the local area now that we know that we can call on at any time. And yep. I really like that, you know. I mean, you know, we're not on the same level as like trying to get bigger bands involved, but certainly when you start building something, the potential is there, you know. And and yeah, I think yeah. that's really inspiring.
1: That's how it should be. Is just uh, you know, punk rock was supposed to be homegrown from the begin with. I mean, now it might sell out stadiums. You know, mm. The Misfits plays Madison Square Garden and sells it mm. out in five minutes. Right? I understand that it, it grew into something much bigger. But on the underground do-it-yourself scene level, there's no reason for competition. I know there's bands that are better than other bands, but Mm. the bands that aren't as good as those, they're still fucking up there kicking ass and doing what they do. Mm. And they deserve recognition for what they're doing. Every time you put on your boots and get on that fucking stage, you're putting your life on the line. Every time you drive to the next show, every time you do everything, we live for this moment. Life's about now. It's not about fucking... It's not about making plans for tomorrow or yesterday. It's about fucking what you're doing in the moment. And fucking, if you don't seize that, what the fuck are you doing? We only live once. I'm going to be dead in 20 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking do something with yourself, you know, like <laughs> and help anyone you can on your way out.
0: Jason, that's amazing. I had a couple of extra questions to ask, but I feel like that's an excellent point to end on, do you know? Like, it just feels <laughs> like that's, uh, that's an excellent way to kind of live your life. And it's something to leave everyone listening on, I feel like. Okay, good. So um, <laughs> what, what I'm going to say, one last final thing. Where can people find Potbelly if they want to follow them and listen to the music? Oh,
1: oh fuck. Well, <laughs> Pig Records, the label we're signed to, has us all over all their fucking social media. So you can go <laughs> to like Pig Records Rocks, the website. You can go to a fucking Pig Records Bandcamp uh their youtube channel it's pig porno entertainment group um with an i but i mean really honestly because the name potbelly is also a pig and a fucking stove and there's been two other bands that have popped up called Belly over the years if you type in potbelly punk in any google bar you'll find a giant list of shit and just have fun with the rabbit hole
0: Oh, no, I mean. <laughs> that's excellent <laughs> i can wholeheartedly recommend it as well because that's what i've been doing the last couple of weeks in preparation for this anyway and uh, and awesome. for playing with you guys next this year should i say um yeah. in, a, in a few months time jason thank you so much for talking to me today and um yeah, yeah hopefully i'll see you in a couple of months i'm gonna press yeah. stop on the record but don't go anywhere just yet There you go, what an interesting and thoughtful guy Jason is. Who knows how he does everything he does, but I'm really glad to have met him and had this chat. He's really inspired me to up my game in my local scene, and I hope some of the things he spoke about have struck a chord with you too, especially about community building and looking out for each other in these crazy times. Again, you can find Potbelly by visiting pig recordsrocks potbelly and on Facebook, as well as on Bandcamp and the other streaming sites. And remember, if you search for them, look for the logo with the scary-looking cartoon pig. I'll pop what links I can find in the show notes. Thank you for listening as ever, and until next time, take very good care of yourselves. for listening to this episode of band biographies if you enjoyed it please don't forget to leave a five-star review on apple podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts please do reach out on twitter at band biogs instagram at band biographies search on facebook for band biographies or by emailing band biographies at gmail.com see you next time